Welcome back to another episode of the Homeschool CEO Podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with my friend, Amy Lee Westerfeld, and she dishes out all the secrets on how she is crushing it as a homeschool CEO with a thriving business coaching practice, as well as homeschooling five kids under the age of eight. Yes, you heard that right. Five kids under the age of eight. If you want to know how it's done with a house full of littles with a thriving business, today's episode is for you. Let's get started. Welcome to the Homeschool CEO Podcast, the podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs who want to successfully homeschool their kids while running a profitable business. In this podcast, we'll reveal the truth of what it really looks like behind the scenes of an entrepreneur who homeschools and how to make it all work. If you're an entrepreneur who currently homeschools or you want to start, you are in the right place, my friend. With 16 years experience combining entrepreneurship with homeschooling, I'm your host, Jen Myers, and this is the Homeschool CEO Podcast. All right, Homeschool CEO community, you are in for a treat today. We have Amy Lee with us, and we have so many things to talk about. So I'm going to let her go ahead and introduce herself, and then we'll get this party started. Sounds good. Jen, thank you so much for having me. I am so elated. I love your energy. I love your story. I love watching your brand evolve. So I'm super duper excited to be here with you. My name is Amy Lee Westerbelt. I am a mindset business coach for empaths and highly sensitive people or gifted folks. I basically work with people who feel their environment just a little bit more um, than some other folks. And together, we figure out how to build brands and businesses that are authentic and kind of ignite their souls. So I'm really excited about that. And in addition to that, I have five school children under the age of eight and I do homeschool. That is awesome. So how long have you been running your business? I know you've been homeschooling since your oldest was four and they're eight now, right? So we've been homeschooling. Yep, she's eight, yep. All right, so how long have you been running your business alongside of that? Um, I would say that my business will be two years old in September of this year. So I think that I've kind of, you know, I did the um, multi-level marketing thing before that. So I'd say conservatively, I've probably been full-time business the entire time I've been homeschooling. That is awesome. So let's go back to kind of the beginning of your journey and kind of walk through how this all transpired for you because you're really successful now, but I'm sure that, you know, as you're growing your business and homeschooling, like we all have journeys and struggles along the way. You know, I feel like so many times people see the tip of the iceberg where you are now Mm -hmm. and we forget sometimes that, you know, at, at the beginning they struggled too. So take me back to kind of the beginning. Like what was that beginning like when you started your businesses while you were homeschooling? Yes. So I started when my daughter was four. We lived in Alaska and I didn't really know too much about curriculums that were available at the time. Back in my old days, before I got married and had kids, I actually used to teach. I have my degree in elementary education. And so I kind of had things that I liked and didn't like about different education models. And I didn't really know how to kind of synergize that for myself and for my daughter. But at that time, I was like, yeah, she's four. You know, I can be a little more experimental with it. So the first thing I did was say, okay, what's something that I would love to learn if I was four? And I decided on the rainforest. So I just started kind of pulling things and different curriculums and things that I could find. And what I did was I would 
whenever we were doing like quality time with her, like when it was my turn to have quality time, when we weren't doing, you know, work, I would make sure that those were educational things. So um, then I found this thing called the Ivy Kids Box, which if you haven't gotten a Jenna Day thing, I was talking about it the other day in Boss Moms, but I'll tell you about it. It's this little kit that like you get once a month. I bought them a la carte, but they have all these activities and they come with a Calvacata winning for a book. And so I would do little like activities with her. So my like, like fun time with her, because I, I do believe and I, and I value learning as a gift. I don't treat learning like a punishment or like an obligation. I have always been about learning is a gift, right? Knowledge is a gift. And so we created a system where quality time with mom and fun overlaps with education. So my kids look at education as an exciting, fun time of the day when I get attention, when I get to learn new things, I get to learn new things, not I have to learn new things. So that was kind of the, the beginning of that. And then as time evolved um, and she got older, there would be a little bit more stuff for her to do alone, a little bit more, you know, self-directed. So things like tracing letters and things like that. And that's when I started my, um, I have a system called Engage and Escape. And so Engage and Escape is where you go over to the child and you say, okay, you're going to do this. And you spend a couple of seconds with them and then you escape and you go do something work related that's high level. So you don't have to be too you know, um, concentrating. And then you come back and you say, Hey, how did you go with that? And then you do a little bit more and then you escape. And you don't, you know, depending on how old the child is, is how long you can do that for. And sometimes collaboration too, you know, like my children are now um, six and eight. So sometimes they'll do collaboratory projects. And so you engage, okay, guys, I want you to work on this, this, and I'll be back. And giving them that expectation that you'll be back, but still giving, I mean, it's the same as the public school model, right? Like she's over there helping the kid three, three, you know, desks down. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. She doesn't have eyes on them anyway. So it's the same thing. I know that was a big, long explanation. Okay. That's fascinating though, because I didn't know that. That's why podcast, you guys are so amazing because you get to go down these rabbit holes and learn things that you didn't know before. So what inspired you to do that? Because that's a really interesting model. I don't think we've had anybody on the show that's talked about that. So back in my old retail days, I used to work at a women's lingerie store that you guys all know. It's called Victoria's Secret. And one of the things that we were taught was that when we were helping someone, we would bring them to the fitting room, give them a couple minutes to try it because you're not going to stand there, right? And they want you to maximize your customer service so you would talk to the person and then you'd excuse yourself and then you go say, hi, how are you? And you'd go talk to this person and come, you know, hey, I'm back. How did you like those two? And then you would go back to the other customer. And so you were constantly floating back and forth. So you, you know, less people could man the store and still help everybody. So I thought that that was a really good model. It kind of took some of the pressure off of the customer so they didn't feel like somebody was standing right next to them. But it also was greatly impactful because you could help all these different people. And it was a way to multitask, but not at the same time. You weren't doing the things at the same time, but you were engaged in the different thing. Like you had them on your radar, but you were focusing on the thing you were focusing on with the expectation that you were going to pull away. So I tried that with my kids and it works phenomenally because they get that safety of knowing that I am right there. But that's the time when my kids are homeschooling, I can run off and go, okay, I'm going to delete 50 emails. 
I've got 20 minutes. I'm going to go find 50 emails. I can do because I'm not good at deleting my email list. I've got, I think, 80,000 right now. And I'm going to, you know, or I'm going to make a folder and I'm going to put everything in this. So I'm not doing high, I'm not doing deep concentration tasks that heaven forbid the kids, you know, call me and say, mom, I'm stuck in number four. I could go out and deal with it, but I'm doing those little piddly things that only I can do, but aren't necessarily the best use of my time. Right. That is so great. So how old were your kids when you started this method? Um, I would say comfortably, I would say Alana was probably about six when I started doing that because when I was in my multi-level marketing job, I used a lot, my phone a lot. Um, now I'm a much more of a desktop kind of a person. I need like my visuals. I need, you know, my calendar and things like that. But at the time I would kind of disengage while I was there. So it was like, she'd be doing something like, okay. So for example, one of the things, whenever we, if I'm bouncing around and you want me to redirect, just let me know. But, um, one of the things, whenever we would get new manipulatives, you know, I know as a kid, I always wanted to play with them first. And the teacher's like, don't touch them. Don't touch them until we're using them. I hate that. So we got these um, these buttons one time. They were all different shapes and colors. So we could practice sorting. And I just gave them to Alana and let her play with them for like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And I was sitting there answering customers, still standing next to my four-year-old, making sure she didn't eat a bunch of buttons. But she was having that privacy to have her play without me going, oh, put all the yellows over here. Oh, you know, so that by the time it was time to engage with those materials, she was already like over the fact that this was a new shiny thing. That is so wise. And with Homeschool CEO, one of our core philosophies is to teach from the be, do, have model. So we teach who we want our children to be Mm -hmm. before we teach the skills and what we want them to have. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that methodology that you developed, really, you were teaching her to be independent mm-hmm. and curious because you encouraged her to look at and to feel them, to understand what she is playing with long before you taught her a skill to sort them. Mm-hmm. Right. And also it's child-led too, because, you know, we do a hybrid of an, an unschool and a homeschool methodology. And so it's about what did she want to do with them? You know, understanding that knowledge is about what you want to learn. It's about what do you want to spend your 10,000 hours on, so to speak. So for her, like we ask her, like what, you know, what's the thing you want to study next? Like, yes, she has the curriculum and we love our curriculum, but she also gets to kind of put in, you know, what other topics do you want to follow? So my daughter happens to be really into um, the American girl, Addie which is one of my favorites when I was little. So she's been studying civil rights. You know, she watched Hairspray and she's been studying, you know, the Little Rock Nine and all that. And that's what she wanted to do. So we've been nurturing that in her. So yeah, absolutely. And it's 100%. It comes down to the child being the architect of their own learning experience, as opposed to telling them, well, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this. Because at the end of the day, it sounds morbid, but someday you're going to be gone. They're the ones who are going to have to be in charge of their learning, you know, environment and their learning behavior. And if you're constantly using it, you know, as as a point of control, they're going to learn to hate it. How many people in our generation hate reading? It's not because reading isn't fun. It's because you used to get punished and go read silently at your desk, you know? I mean, nowadays, like, kids are like, yes, can I? Yeah, you're right. Exactly. I feel like we've squashed with traditional education. We've squashed that love for learning because we've we've used it as punishment. And 
you know, it kind of reminds me of a metaphor I just heard the other day about a pot, about a plant in a pot. And we want to say, oh, we'll wait for this pot to grow bigger and then we'll get it a bigger pot. But actually you have to release those barriers and that boundary and get a bigger pot first Mm -hmm. before that plant will grow to its full size. And I feel like that's kind of when unschooling, particularly it's us, we're expanding what the children can learn so that they will learn not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like so much of traditional education is backwards. You know, we want to give it all to them. We want to give them the boundaries. But when we take those boundaries away, we see this blossoming of these children that can love learning and decide what to do. So I love that. So how many hours per day do you homeschool your kids? Because you've got five under eight, right? So you've got a house full. We don't really, so we do a, a whole year model because again, we're not looking at this, this is an obligation. The kids don't even know that the state requires us to do X, Y, Z. It's not important and they don't need to know. And we do a lot of unschooling too. So we don't really keep track of it per se. I would say most of the time that my children are awake, they're learning. And I know that sounds like, oh, look at her. She thinks, you know, it's not like that. It's that learning is a part of being alive, right? Like, especially if you're cultivating lifelong learning in your home, your kids, anytime they ask a question and you answer them, that's learning. When my husband brings the kids in the kitchen in the morning and says, okay, we're going to make eggs for everybody. You know, how many eggs do we need to crack if everybody gets three and a half? That's learning. I mean, that's school. So, you know, keeping up with a home, um, when we go on vacation, you know, we talk about things. And if anybody's out there, and I don't think you would be if you're on this podcast and you're like, oh, but they, you know, did they learn? My daughter is eight years old and reads at a ninth grade level. Wow. And she taught herself to read. She loved it so much. She polishes off. I mean, I got her. So her birthday was June 6th. We got her the boxcar children, the first four books. And she was done with them in a day and a half. And I'm like, I'm not making money a lot. I can't go buy more books. But then my son, who is six, he's not a book guy. He's a kinesthetic learner, right? So he's all about building. That kid, you could you can show him a picture of an actual vehicle. You've seen the pictures that I posted, right? Of his helicopters and things. The kid is a genius. He's a kinesthetic genius, where Alana is much more in the academics. You know, so another thing with homeschooling, you know, if you're familiar with um, Gardner's multiple intelligences. Yep. You don't have to treat every kid the same. You don't have to say, oh, sorry, William, you have an F in reading. But you're a genius and you're probably going to be an architect making five times the money that anyone else makes. You know, but, but they don't hear that. They hear you got an F in, in English. Right. And so it's really important that we show children that they're learning all day long, you know. And so I hesitate to like put a timer on it because then I'm, de-qual- I'm, I'm separating it from the rest of their life. And why do that? Because it's a function of it. It should be a function of life. You know, and just like I don't think we should be punished with education, I don't think we should be rewarded for learning either. So I think learning should be the reward. I don't think you should get gold stars for reading or pick something out of the box if you get an A. You know what getting an A means? You have a lot of knowledge and you are much more equipped to do X, Y, or Z than you were before. That's what I think. Oh, I agree with you 1000%. I actually feel like when we reward our children for learning, we take away that intrinsic motivation because we put the focus on that extrinsic motivation and that reward system. And it's a balance because from a psychological perspective, as the external goes up, the internal goes down. 
And with enough external, you kill that internal motivation and that intrinsic uh, reward system, which is such a danger. And I, you know, I understand with traditional schooling, why they test and what they do and why they do it. I, I get it. So I'm not blaming anything. It's just a broken system and it teaches them to learn for a grade and to regurgitate what needs to be done for a test versus like you said, making it all about life. And, you know, that's what learning should be because especially us as entrepreneurs, we learn all day long, every day. I mean, when you had to build your website, you know what you did? You went and you looked it up, right? I mean, we bought a course, we watched a YouTube video, we did what had to be done. And so that is such a powerful example to our children. And nobody is there patting us on the back going, good job. Here's the star. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that we're learning it, the journey is the reward. And then the accomplishment at the end is yes, you know, we did it. You know, in homeschool CEO community, we have Wednesdays. Instead of just celebrating wins, we celebrate what we figured out because it's so different. It's not just a client we landed. We figured out how to, you know, create something or solve a problem. You know, that figuring things out is so important. And I feel like when we teach it to our kids, we are raising a generation that is going to change the world because they're going into a world that was so different than what we went into. You know, when we graduated high school and college, it was so different than what our kids are about to go into. And they need to know how to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, school doesn't even teach inferencing anymore. Like they don't teach kids how to think. They teach them what to think. They teach them how to recall information but they don't actually teach them how to do the deductive reasoning part. And that's so dangerous, especially when these people are going to inherit the earth. So it's really important that we do that, you know, in our schooling. And I think one of the things, again, with the unschool model, when you're asking your kids, okay, what do you want to focus on? What do you want to learn? My little girl absolutely loves to watch Top Chef Junior, Master Chef, all that stuff. She's like, mom, I'm going to be on that show someday. And so, of course, we have our discussions about the law of attraction because that's something that I, you know, that I teach. And so I impart that to my kids. She loves to go through my affirmation cards. She loves to play with that stuff. She has her own affirmations. She, you know, she has this gratitude there that she does this little thing every time she feels good. And, you know, it's an infusion of all those different modalities and all those different philosophies that come together to create this whole person education model. And that's what homeschool provides for. Yes. Yes. And when we homeschool, we can pour our truth and the truths into our children that maybe traditional schooling is not. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the law of attraction. This wasn't something you guys that we had planned, but I, this is something that anybody who sticks around me very long is going to know that I'm, I'm Christian, but I'm woo. Like, and I blend the two of them and people spend time with me. They're like, we've never really thought that you could be both. And I'm like, I'm telling you because it makes sense. It makes sense in my brain. I've seen it my entire life. I saw it before I knew what it meant. So let's talk about what law of attraction is. How do we share that with our kids? Like, how do we break that down for them to understand? Yeah. So um, from the time that my daughter was really little, this is when we were living in Alaska. She had anxiety. She inherited that from me. Yay. And she had trouble falling asleep. And so I would say to her, you know, close your eyes. And we'd been to Disney a million times. And I was like, I want you to imagine what it would be like standing on the steps of the Magic Kingdom, you know, of the castle of the Magic Kingdom. And all the princesses were around you. And what does that feel like? And I started teaching her how to cultivate the feeling she wanted to have. So after a while, she coined the phrase movies in our eyes. She called it, you know, I'm watching movies in my eyes. Now, you know, she's eight and every night she tells me about how she goes to imagination land. 
And she is actually setting up her own lucid dreaming so that when she gets in there, she's already set the stage and she just has to go play until she wakes up. I know it sounds crazy, but she is a master of the law of attraction at eight years old because she's never been told that it doesn't work. So to her, it's always been what it is. So to back up and explain the law of attraction, the law of attraction basically states that like attracts like. And there's a three-part process of ask, believe, and receive. So whatever it is that you're trying to co-create, and I say co-create because I happen to be religious too, I'm Jewish, but I believe in the law of attraction because I believe that we were all meant to create our reality, co-create it with God, source, energy, the universe, however you want to call it. So what you're doing is you are aligning with the frequency of the thing that you're trying to co-create. So while Jen was talking about um, be, do, have, if I am this and I do this, then I'll have this. So by the be is aligning with the energy or the energetic frequency of what it is you're trying to bring into your life. And so the law of attraction is all about aligning with the events and the circumstances and the things and the opportunities that you want to bring into your life. So we teach that from a very early age to our children, what you think about, you bring about. And the more happy feelings you have or the more positive, not happy, the more positive feelings you have, they have a much higher charge in terms of attraction versus lower negative ones have a much weaker charge. And so, and it's a delicate balance too, isn't it? Because you don't want to tell your kids they can't have negative feelings. Of course they can. But you want to explain to them the power between the two. You know, like this is, you can have whatever feelings you want and you are a sovereign being and you can do what you want. But let me tell you the energetics behind the kinds of feelings. And then you tell me which feelings you want me to help you bring into your reality more often. So it's an empowering statement but it's still kind of a, a parental coaching in a way. I agree so much. So yeah. And also like what we were talking with the law of attraction to, you know, where our attention goes, that's where our energy is going to flow. And, you know, I think that was such a revelation to me as a business owner that not only do we manifest and bring about the good things, guess what? We also do the bad things. Like the negative things that happen in our lives, we focused on them. We manifested them just as much because we are, you know, God created us or source, however you want to do that as really powerful beings that we do. We have this incredible gift mm-hmm. to help create our realities. And I think teaching that to our children at a young age is so powerful. I want to tell you a story when our youngest, who is now um, going to be 16, we had relocated out to the Chicagoland area, didn't know a soul. My husband's job had relocated us out there. And at the time he was eight years old. And he, we went to bed that night and he said, mommy, I have to get up early in the morning. And I said, well, why buddy? He said, because I am going to get a new friend tomorrow and he is going to be my best friend forever. And I don't have him yet, but he's coming tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. You know, and even full believer in law of attraction, understanding all of that didn't really like get it, but here's a child who you know, I didn't teach it to him necessarily, but he was learning it from me from watching it. And, you know, he went to bed that night and he said his prayers and he said, you know, dear God, thank you for my friend that I'm going to have tomorrow that I don't have yet, but I know he's coming. And he went to bed and we just left it. The next morning he pops up out of the bed earliest he's ever been out of bed. And he said, let's go walk the dog. I'm like, walk the dog. And he says, yes, I'm going to get my best friend today. And I said, you know, even as a mom supporting him and knowing 
understanding the law of attraction, didn't really quite get that yet. So we went and we walked the dog. I am not kidding, Amy Lee, three houses down, this other dog comes charging at us and the mom comes running out. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She grabs this dog and she looks at me and she looks at Brandon, my youngest. And she said, how old are you? And Brandon said, I'm eight. She said, my son is nine. Let me go get him for you. Honest to goodness, they've been best friends, inseparable ever since they literally, we moved it. We moved away. We're four hours away. They FaceTime every single day. Eight years later, these two young men are the best of friends. They've been inseparable since that day. I love that. Oh my God, that gives me chills. I love it. And you know what? You were saying that, you know, you didn't teach it to him, but you know what? You left out one important thing. You didn't unteach it to him either. So powerful. You're right. Yeah, because so much of it, you're right, in life and in schooling and education, it's not as much what we teach as what, yeah, it's we tell them that's not possible. So I didn't unteach it. You're right. You've got it exactly. So like, as you're listening to this podcast, like that is so important. And as entrepreneurs and homeschooling parents, you know, our kids are watching everything we're doing and what we say affects how they view what they believe is possible. So then in your business coaching, then do you implement all of this as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. I have a business mastermind where I basically kind of like a, a container for business owners who happen to be sensitive um, or empathic. And it's one of the things we talk about all the time because, you know, a lot of people think they don't have the answers. They have the answers. They don't know how to synthesize them into a plan. And I wouldn't even say they don't know how, they, they don't feel confident in their knowledge of how. And so I'm kind of like that mentor that's there to kind of say, hey, we've got all the pieces. Let's just sit down, take a deep breath and put this puzzle together, right? So the law of attraction is a giant piece of what I teach. It's so important when people finally realize how much power they have to to co-create or to create their existence. It's earth shattering when, when that epiphany moment happens. And the problem that a lot of people run into, and it's probably because they haven't had the opportunity to be so creative and, you know, as children is they don't know what they want. They've never been given a piece of paper and a pen and said, don't come out of this room until you write down every dream you have. Because, you know, I I have this theory, especially women, I'm going to write a book someday. Mark my words, I'm going to write a book someday. And the title of it's going to be, I'll fill this out later. Because that's literally society, right? Like, oh, I'll fill this out. Oh, I'll do it later. Oh, you know what? I I don't have time. But like, you make time for your work, right? You stay up all night to do your work. We've all talked about our work ethic. Where the heck is the dream ethic? Where are we spending the time on our dreams that we do in our work? We don't. And then we wonder why they don't manifest. Well, did you really, did you act? It's like driving up to the drive-thru at a fast food place and they say, order when you're ready. And you say, yeah, um, I'd like some food. And they're like, okay, what kind of food? And you're like, mm, good food. Okay, we have lots of good food. Like, give me something to go on here. So I think, again, tying that back to the school thing, When you've got little kids, tell me what you want school to be like. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me how you want your life to be created. When we start that back there, by the time they get to be adults, they're like, I'm not looking for job descriptions on, you know, whatever, indeed. I'm thinking, what job do I want? What can I create? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're creating, 
little entrepreneurs that are going to create the job. You know what? I don't want to work Tuesdays. Tuesday's a funny word in my mind, and I don't want to work Tuesdays. You know, and you might not ever see that on a job listing. But as a co-creator, as a dream designer, you can do that all day long. Absolutely. And I think that's something, again, going back to the practicality of it, that we're teaching our kids at this point. You know, my daughter is never going to go in a job interview and listen to somebody say, and, you know, you have to wear skirts on Tuesdays and pants on Thursdays. She's going to be like, later, I'm going to go create a job where I get to wear whatever the heck I want. If I want to wear bunny ears, I'll wear them. Yeah. And I think that's the way that society's going anyway. And so like, let's empower our kids to do that now. I agree with that on so many levels. And I think that even unschooling, that really creates that in the children too, because they are taking that freedom and that responsibility because with great freedom comes great responsibility that they have to have some ownership in what they're learning and what direction they're taking in their lives. Mm -hmm. So what have you found to be your biggest struggle then with homeschooling while running a business? Prep. And it's funny because, you know, being a mom who taught school, I know what it's like to spend extra hours after the kids go home to do prep, right? But the problem is when we talk all the time in entrepreneurial world about income producing activity, prep for homeschool is not necessarily an income producing activity. So, and you can't just fly blind. You can't get in there with the manual. You know, we use the moving beyond the page curriculum as part of our stuff. You can't just get in there the morning of and be like, okay, and read the directions. You need to know, you need to have the manipulatives set up. You need to have that stuff ready. Well, for me, who's disorganized to begin with, I'm, you know, a hot mess. I'm super sensitive. If anything happens with my clients or anything else, I just get frazzled. That part is really hard for me. So luckily I have a husband who is a stay-at-home dad and we tag team the, the prep stuff. We used to have the workbooks and think like, oh, you know, in a perfect world, let's, let's just photocopy it and we'll have it for the next kid. Now we're like right in the damn book, just writing the book, you know, flip the page. This has to have yarn pasted to it. It's okay. It'll still flip, you know? So you have to make those compromises of like the dream thing versus the reality. And I don't think enough people like talk about that because a lot of homeschooling moms, how many moms do you know, especially with what's going on right now that are like, oh, I could never homeschool. I couldn't handle it. I'm not good enough to homeschool my kids. Like if you saw my reality, if you saw my dining room table, if you saw like what it really truly looks like at the end of the day, is the kid learning? Does he know more than he knew yesterday? You're doing a great job. Amen. Yes. Preach. Because that's the truth. And, you know, I always tell our moms too, like in the homeschool coaching part of the business that what is your definition of success? And when we can really define what our definition is, guess what? We then get to define how we get there and we don't have to follow anybody else's plan. And my definition of success might be different than your definition of success probably is because guess what? My business looks different than your business. Completely. And our expectations are so skewed. I mean, let's look at, you know, everybody's like, well, I couldn't homeschool my kids for seven hours a day. Great. Glad you said that. Let's take that apart. 20 minutes in the morning for buses to get there. Let's flip that to the other side of the day. 20 minutes where the teacher pretty much can't teach because buses start getting called and kids just disengage. So there's 40 minutes off the top. Take out all the meals. That's about an hour and a half. Add recess in. Now we're at two hours. Now everything else, those children are getting maybe 15 minutes of instruction. And the rest of it is try not to kill the kid next to you. Try not to poke them in the eye with a pencil. 
right? It's really just busy work. It's let's give them a whole bunch of things to work on, seven different subjects, so that we can help everybody as we need to. Well, take all that out, take all those extra kids out, and what are you left with? You're left with 15 minutes of instruction, the child finishing the task, and then maybe a break, and then maybe lunch, and oh, look, you probably, when it's all said and done, you're probably at about 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes of instruction a day. Yeah. Of formal instruction a day. Yeah. That's, that's what those kids get. So tell me again that you feel like you can't do that. Of course you can, if you want to. Now, if you don't, that's a whole different story and you're not on this podcast. Right. But if you do, 100%, people like me and Jen, we are here for you. We are here and we will help you. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, I have so many moms that say, well, I have this business and this business takes up all of my time. So I can't homeschool. I'm like, okay, well, maybe we need to talk about streamlining the business. Like maybe that's a reality, but you can just as much stream time or you can just as much streamline the homeschooling as well. Like neither one of them needs to take eight hours a day. It's not necessary. Right. No, not at all. I love that you said that. So if you were sitting down for coffee with a new homeschool CEO, so let's say she's an entrepreneur who's just starting out, maybe because of the coronavirus, she's considering homeschooling, but she's like, man, I just don't know if I can do this. What is one bit of advice that you would give her as she starts out this first year of homeschooling? I would just say, be kind to yourself. You know, as you're starting to ramp up to this new way of life, give yourself grace, right? Give yourself grace. Like the first day is not going to be like when we all, you know, we used to go school shopping and everything's lined up in those cardboard stands and here's the new backpack. We've got a new thermos. Look at all these notebooks. And then by the end of the day, the next day, like, it's got cheese, it's squeezed and, you know, mashed in the bottom. Like that's reality. So it's really important that you as a new homeschooler are like, am I doing better than I did yesterday? You know, or am I at least doing the same as yesterday? Is my kid learning something? Is this causing me so much stress that I'm like upset? Then, then don't do it. But the likelihood of that happening as long as you're just sitting and you're doing what you need to do. And if you do an online curriculum, you know, that's great. Make sure that you're still making that time to connect with your child the same way you would if you put them on the school bus. So what did you learn today? Make sure that you're acclimating to the work. Don't use a methodology that you don't understand. How many people complain about Common Core, right? Like I remember when I was in school for education, I was like, I literally don't think of math this way. This is not how I think of math at all. Like, and I would never, as a child, I wouldn't think of math this way. Don't put yourself in a situation to feel less than. Teach your kid the way you know how to teach. You know, if you do it the old plus and minus way, good for you. If you do multiplication and you make the big long, that's what I do. So don't feel like you have to be like keeping up with the Joneses of education. Teach the kid, teach the child the way that you feel comfortable and then let them kind of fill in the cracks. You know, they might say, wow, I really love math, mom. Then maybe you, you, you hire a tutor for calculus or you take them to Kumon and you do whatever. You know, maybe they really love science. Maybe your best friend's husband is a biochemist. Have him take them to work someday. Make sure they wear a mask. <laughs> but because, you know, it's chemicals and stuff. But, you know, there's so many different ways to enhance a child's education. And it doesn't have to always be at the dinner table or at the dining room. So powerful. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. Tell our audience where they can connect with you online. Yeah. So um, I have a group. You can go to gratitudeglamour.com slash unstoppable. 
that's where you'll find me. Um, I do have an Instagram. I can, we can put it in the show notes or something like that. And then of course, if you want to send me a private class, I do live outside of Savannah, Georgia. So I'm part of the Georgia homeschool community. And we're actually putting together in the next couple of weeks, hopefully we're putting together a little bit of an unschool, homeschool co-op type of crunchy parents thing down here. So I'm working on that as well. Exciting. All right. Well, thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. I had a blast. That was such a fantastic episode. I loved how Amy Lee talked about, you know, encouraging our kids to explore and follow their passions and their interests and letting them be all that they were meant to be without us as parents limiting their potential. Do me a favor. If you enjoyed today's podcast, would you share it with somebody that you think could be a blessing? Maybe another entrepreneur who currently homeschools or they're considering homeschooling. I would love to connect with more entrepreneurs and let them know that they too can be successful homeschool CEOs. I'll talk to you next week. Hey friend, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I really appreciate it. And for more information on connecting with other homeschool CEOs just like you, be sure to check out our website at www.homeschoolceo.com. And as always, Team Homeschool CEO, you ladies inspire me. Thank you for always showing others what is possible. You guys are awesome. See you next week. Thank you.